You know, it's, uh, it's a great day to be in the house of the Lord this morning, amen. You know, I came in and, and uh, I just felt refreshed. And I don't know if it's, you know, well, I know who it is, but, it, you know, it's cooler outside <laughs> today, thankfully. It's been so hot lately. But, uh, you know, I know the Lord has blessed us this morning through the worship practice and, you know, even in our prayer time today and, and through that worship set. Thank you, Pastor Seth and team. Um, you're appreciated. And we love you. We love you. Like uh, Jew said earlier, Pastor Chris will be traveling back home this week. So please be in prayer for him and his family. Be in prayer. I know they've had a good time um, being able to go on vacation and, and see their family. Um, and so, you know, just be in prayer for them as they travel back today. Today, I just want to thank you all for your continued, uh, continued support and prayer for our youth ministry here at the church. Um, I'm believing that the Lord has something, and he's going to continue to do some great work um, over these next few months, and uh, we've got camp, um, and Noah Ponce, one of our youth, um, he'll be going to international um, talent and be doing Bible quizzing, so be in prayer for him, um, and uh, hopefully that he can, you know, allow the Lord to use him in that, and, uh, you know, just be in prayer for the other other kids that'll be going. Um, I'm anxious to hear you know, what the Lord is going to do with them and uh, see how they do. And hopefully they do well and uh, that the Lord would um, take all anxieties away from them and and uh, that he would, you know, work through them. Amen. 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 This morning, uh, the title of my message is, is Wanderers or Worshippers. Wanderers or Worshippers. And this is something that the Lord has been dealing with me on my heart um, over the last few weeks here, and uh, you know, and, and I'm believing that the Lord has something for us this morning, not just you, but for myself. And uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. But we're going to be starting in Numbers 14, chapter 14, and Tyler's going to be putting it up on the screen for me here. You know, oftentimes people, when they read the Bible first, they see that uh, book Numbers, and they're like, "I'm skipping over it." But I can promise you, Numbers is one of the greatest books in the Bible. I can promise you that. So if you don't read it often, hey, please go to it because there is a lot of content that will change your life in that. But Numbers 14 and starting in verse two, uh, 22 says, Not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times. Not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors no one who has treated me with the contempt will ever see it, will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, not just a little bit, but wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went into and his descendants will inherit it. You know, some scholars enumerate 10 occasions, okay? So remember that, that number 10 today. It'll be important. But they enumerate ten occasions where the people of Israel tempted God since the Exodus. You know, others point out that ten is a measure of completeness. It's kind of like, you know, God was saying as, um, that's enough. That's enough. I want you to remember that this morning. You know, he's also kind of saying that grace has been stretched to a breaking point with the Israelites. And your disobedience is complete. So you ask, how did I get to this? Or how, how, did, how did it get to this? You know, these are people who have just recently experienced the power and provision of God's power, right? And they had seen it unlike any other people had in the world at this point. You know, and there were several different things that happened over the time. Um, one being Passover deliverance. 
and it was preceded by the ten plagues. Another was the Red Sea experience. It's one of my favorite stories, you know, when God delivered them through the Red Sea. And what did that bring? It made sure that they became a nation at this point. Manna from heaven. It was a supernatural provision in their lives. They were hungry, right? And they were complaining. God sent manna from heaven. Water from the rock. It satisfied their thirst. They also saw victories in battle because there was divine protection in their lives. And then lastly, the promised eternal inheritance, which was the promised land. They, like us today, were blessed people. They were truly, truly blessed in their lives because of the things that God had brought them through. They were a blessed people. But there's a reason why they were a blessed people. There was a reason why that this is true. And number one is because Christ, our Passover lamb, has set us free. Also, the fact that we've been baptized in Christ and his body, a new creation in Christ. Also, that Jesus is the bread of heaven. He's the bread of heaven because he has give, give, given life to the world. Jesus also, uh, also offers us living water. He spoiled principalities and he gives us triumph in those victories. You know, also, Christ in us is the hope of glory this morning. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask God that you would just be with me today, God. God, that you would be with your people. God, that you would just rain down on our lives this morning, I pray, God. God, I ask that you would just bless the word today, God, because it's your word. God, I ask that you would just be in this place, God, in your Holy Spirit, God, reign in here today, that it would sweep through each and every life in this building this morning. Amen and amen. First Peter chapter 1. Starting in verse uh, 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never be perished, spoiled, or faded. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith and shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In the last time. I'm going to ask you a few things this morning. Is it possible to run the race and be disqualified? Is it possible to fight the good fight and simply just beat the air? Is it possible to confess Jesus as Lord, but hear him say, I never knew you? Is it also possible to be on a path, but miss the entire purpose? So what is the difference between a wanderer and a worshiper this morning? We're going to get to that today. But Numbers 14 and 24 says, But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, hath followed me fully. Him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. You know, Joshua and Caleb here were the only two, or the only, the only ones out of 12, okay? So it was, it was two out of 12 who believed God could do what he said he could do. There was just two of them we're talking about here this morning out of the 12. They didn't doubt God's power. They didn't doubt God's power because, you know, he was able to perform it. They had seen it over and over again, and they believed it. They believed that he had power. You know, they didn't doubt God's promise. We're talking about Joshua and Caleb here this morning. They didn't doubt God's promise because he was faithful to perform it. They didn't doubt God's purpose 
because he's willing to perform it. He was willing to do it. God was willing to do it for them. You know, sometimes we believe in God's ability and faithfulness, but don't believe that we fit into the equation. Have you ever felt like that this morning? Have you ever felt like that? I, I, I have myself many times. But you know, in, this, in these moments where we're feeling that way, we have to get a fresh understanding of how we fit into God's master plan, what he has for us, because this is the revelation of God's goodness in our lives. These are the good things that he brings us the good things that he's done for us. You know, Caleb, along with Joshua, were men of a different spirit. They were men of a different spirit because these were the men who followed God fully. They believed in his word. They believed in his promises, his power, and they knew that he was willing to do it. He was willing to do it, but they followed God fully. They were men given completely to God. They believed like Abraham that he had, uh, that what he had promised he was able to perform. They believed it in their hearts. They knew it was going to happen. You know, to demystify this biblical language, uh, Joshua and Caleb were worshipers. They were worshipers. The other ten and most of the children of Israel were wanderers. Another spirit is indicative of a different mentality. Talking about Joshua and Caleb here, they had a different mentality. They had an opposite attitude from the majority. They were grounded in a different value. They were grounded in a different loyalty. You know, the people of Israel had been in bondage for over 400 years. That's a long time. Okay? That's a long time. You know, and it was a constant challenge for them, which, you know, I think we can all agree with and see. But it was a constant challenge for them to cast off the mentality of a slave. They had a hard time with it. They had done this forever, okay? For 400 years they had done this, and it was hard for them to cast off that mentality of a slave because they were defeated. They were discouraged, right? They were destitute in their lives. They were having a hard time. But hope, optimism, and freedom were alien. They were abstract concept uh, to the way they thought, to their thinking, and to the way that their life was. You know, time would reveal that it was far easier to take Israel out of Egypt than it was to extricate the Egypt out of Israel. It was harder. It was difficult. But, you know, extricate it we must this morning. Because, you know, God has not redeemed us. He has not redeemed us. He has not saved us so that we could uh, live defeated lives. He hasn't done that, right? So that we could live defeated, that we could live without purpose, without any type of hope. You know, he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. That's what he did for us this morning, for us, that we could have it more abundantly. You know, in the Bible, uh, Daniel was a man of an excellent spirit. He had an excellent spirit. And even though he had lived as a prisoner of war under one of the most ruthless regimes in world history, he lived in that. He did it. He had an excellent spirit, though. So is it possible to live in Babylon without becoming Babylonians? It is. It's possible. Because at the end of the day, we are to be in the world, but not of it. I'm going to say that again this morning. We are to be in the world, but not of it. You know, in a time that it's so easy to be in the world, right? We have to remember that we are a called people that we are to serve God, that we're not supposed to be of it, but we are in it, but we are not of it. We are different. 
We believe in the scripture. We believe that God saved us. You know, we are challenged over and over in scripture to strive for that more excellent spirit. You know, the Bible says in Romans 12 and 2, it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know, even when our circumstances are unfavorable, okay, the things that we are going through, even when life beats us down or when the enemy attacks, it is the will and purpose of God that holds us together, that holds our heads up high, and to believe in that perfect faith, right? Greater is he that is within us than he is in the world. You know, the answer to conformity lies in living a transformed life. I want to live a transformed life this morning. You know, the path of transformation lies in changing our ways of thinking. It's talking about renewing your mind, renewing your mind. And we're going to talk about what renew means. But the word renew in Romans 12 and 2 means to renovate. It's the word renovate. Because, you know, you can't Renovate your home or your mind unless you're willing to tear down some walls. You're not, you're not able to renovate yourself and your being without tearing down some walls that you've built up, that you've placed over time. Because, you know, if you, if you are in that spot where you're not willing to tear down the walls, you are not engaged in renovation. You're not engaged in the full thing. You're engaged in decoration. Because decoration goes no deeper than the surface, guys. Decoration goes no deeper than the surface. But renovation will lead to transformation in your life. Whenever you're willing to break down those walls and say, Lord, help me. Do something in me. That's when we start to renovate. That's when we start to see change and transformation for us. You know, because the renovation leads to transformation. But it goes to the heart. It goes to the heart. It goes to the heart this morning. <clears throat> the challenge is the values, and it builds convictions in your life. It involves a process of removing or exchanging one idea for the other. And I think for us, sometimes the hardest thing for us is to do that exchange. Because we've built up walls. We've, we've had hard times in our lives. We've had difficulty, and you know, so in, in some moments we may have felt like, God, where are you? Where are you? And then we often get to the point where it's time for renovation that we're just not willing to do it. We're okay with decorating. We're okay with you know, changing the outside. We're okay with it. You know, it involves a process of removing, exchanging ideas, one for the other. So if you read the rest of chapter 12 and all of chapter 13 in Romans, and you will find concrete examples of Paul, that Paul uses to demonstrate this change. A change of mind creates a change of perspective. A change in your mind creates a change of perspective. You know, we're going to see things differently when we're willing to change the perspective. It's amazing how different people can look at the same thing and explain it in totally different ways. 
I may go up to a painting and I, I see it, you know, well, that's got this and this and this. Well, Asif might come up right after me and say, well, I see this, you know. It's amazing how that is. It's amazing how things are explained in different ways. You know, wanderers see obstacles, but worshipers see opportunities. You know, wanderers see dead ends, but worshipers see doorways. Wanderers see a closed door, but worshipers take note of the hinges. Wanderers see empty cupboards, but worshipers see a room for miracle. You know, Samuel Johnson said, nothing will ever be attempted if all possible objections must first be overcome or over. Yeah, overcome. Wanderers trip over the house of life while forgetting the who who makes it all possible. That's what a wanderer is. Which mindset do you have this morning? Philippians 4 and 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is holy, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things being in the world but not being of it. You know, when our thought life is healthy, our speech will be as well. When, you, when the thoughts that you have and, and the, the mindset that you have, it's going to dictate what your speech is going to be like. What are the words that are going to come out of your mouth? How do you feel today? Luke 6 and 45 says, A good man brings good things of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in the heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. <clears throat> what is your heart full of today? You know, studies have shown that a person's income can be measured by his vocabulary, his ability to speak and communicate. You know, National Language Dynamics has successfully marketed several language building programs because the professional world has come to understand that words produce dividends. So how much more does that prove true in the spiritual realm? What do your words show about your heart, about your mind? You know, scripture in Proverbs 18 and 21 says the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat of its fruit. Those who love it will eat of its fruit. Great people talk about ideas, but average people talk about things and small people talk about other people. But wanderers talk about their disappointments and worshipers talk about their discoveries. What, are you, what have you, you know, continued to be disappointed about in your life and not allowed God to transform and not allowed God to get you out of that? What have you not discovered because you're so stuck in your disappointments? You know, wanderers promote fear, but worshipers promote faith. What do you put your faith in this morning? Wanderers challenge authority, but worshipers understand the power of humility. Amen. Billy Graham said once, we should ask ourselves three questions before we speak. Is it true? Is it kind? And does it glorify Christ? George Jessel said, the human brain starts working the moment you are born and never stops until you stand to speak in public. It's true. It's true because the overflow of fear produced panic in God's people in this time that we're speaking of this morning. So what are we feeding in others? What are we feeding into others? What, what's coming out of our mouths? What's, what's coming out of our minds? 
Do you know who the other 10 spies were besides Joshua and Caleb this morning? Does anybody remember their names? Whose voice do we more closely mimic today? Was it Shemua, Shaphat, Egal, Palti, Gadiel, Gadi, Emiel, Sethur, Nabi, maybe Gul? Ten men who turned the history of a nation back 40 years because they weren't willing to listen to God. They weren't willing to pursue the things that the Lord had already set before them. Uh, Numbers 13 and 27 says, They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified, and they're very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in Negev, the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of this land, for we certainly can do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people because they are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. And they said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. And they began to cry and complain and made plans to return to Egypt. Because they hadn't allowed the Lord to complete a renovation in their lives. They were okay with having the slave mentality because they felt like, hey, whatever's in front of us is not as good as what we had. That's how they felt. Lastly, remember, it says, and they all began to cry and complain and made plans to return to Egypt. (laughs) Numbers 14 and 6 says, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephthah, were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes, and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. They believed in it. They believe the Lord had their backs. They were worshipers. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Faith does not minimize reality. Faith does not minimize reality. No one was delusional about Goliath's size. Nobody was delusional in this. The difference is the perspective. Because, you know, Israel said, he's so big, we can't win. But David said what? He said, he's so big, I cannot miss. It's about perspective. It's about the perspective that you have. Psalms 118 and 8 says, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. I mean, that's a clear statement right there. Whenever we're having a hard time and, you know, we're dealing with something and, You know, maybe it's your boss at work or whatever it may be. It says it right there. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humans. I mean, it's clear. You know, fear is faith in the enemy. But our confidence should be invested in God. Whose report will you believe? 
Whose report will you believe? In response, the people began to call for Joshua and Caleb to be stoned in these moments. You know, Matthew Henry writes, It is common for those whose hearts are fully set in them to do evil, to rage at those who give them good counsel. Those who hate to be reformed hate those who would reform them and count them their enemies because they tell them the truth. There was also a statement, It's all right to have butterflies in your stomach. Just get them to fly in formation. You know, being a worshiper doesn't mean we never experience fear or doubt. It's going to come. You're going to have issues. But we are not controlled by these forces. We do not operate by their directives. You know, one man said, courage is not the absence of fear. It is doing what is needed in spite of it. Because a worshiper's mentality will feed the faith in others. If you're a worshiper, you're going to feed faith. And the, and the great thing is, is that we can do it. We can do it. We can possess it. So at the end of the day, what are we waiting for in this? We have to be able to go and see and get what God has promised to us. You know, that was the cry of Joshua and Caleb. They were men of a different spirit. That was their cry. Guys, we got to get there. We got to get there because we have the Lord on our side. Let's do it now. Let's not turn back. But there was an overwhelming majority that, that felt differently, that they were battling against, they were having a hard time with. So what will our cry be? Maybe we've never tried that before. That will never work. It costs too much. That is too big for us to handle. Those are the excuses that we often give. But the, like the Lord says in his book, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things. It's written down for us in big, bold letters. Why is it so important? Because God is not honored when we rejoice only in coming out of Egypt, but never laying claim to God's purpose in our lives. You know, holiness is all too often defined by the sin we separate ourselves from. But it must also include what we separate ourselves for. Why do we do it? Why do we separate ourselves from it? What are we doing it for? Who are we doing it for? You know, we must fill the vacuum of our soul with the, uh, with the purpose of God because God is not honored when we pitch our tent on the other side of the promise. He's not honored when we say, well, I'm going to stay over here and, you know, your promise is over here, but this looks so much better. This looks so much easier, right? But he gives us the power to possess it. So if we pitch our tent over here and just stay there, we'll never get to see the power that God has for us. You know, Hebrews 6 and 18 through 19 says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. The day came when all of those who didn't believe God were dead and forgotten. Forty years had purged Israel of an unbelieving generation. But Caleb spoke up again. Joshua uh, 14 says, But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on the day 
or on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he, kept, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses. While Israel moved about in the wilderness, they were wanderers. Because so uh, here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as when Moses sent me out. I'm just as vigorous to go out in battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there, and their cities were large, and they were fortified. But the Lord is helping me. I love that line there. The Lord is helping me. I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephimah, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. Obadiah 17 and 1 says, But on Mount Zion will be deliverance, it will be holy. And Jacob will possess his inheritance because they were what? They were worshipers. They allowed God to transform their mind. They allowed God to work in their lives. They allowed God to do whatever it takes to get them to the other side, to the promised land. They were willing, even if it took a little bit, they were willing to allow the Lord to speak, allow the Lord to use his power in their life. So how many people know what God or that God wants us to possess some things? Paul said, I follow after it. I follow after if that I might apprehend. Don't fall short of his promises. Do not fall short of his promises this morning. Don't wander aimlessly in the spirit. But seize your divine moment and flourish today. Today is the day. If you continue to allow, you know, uh, people or the enemy or whoever it may be to continue to, to keep back your flourishing, to not give you those moments where you've conquered, if you, if you continue to do that, we have to say, I've got to go to the Lord. I've got to be with him. I've got to do what he says. I've got to see what he's already done. And we have to uh, seize that divine moment, flourish and the perfect will of God for your life. If you'll stand with me this morning, I'm going to, and Seth, if you can come up here. You know, I've thought about, I thought about this season that we've been in, and I know that we kind of get tired of talking about it, but it's just been something that's, we've all dealt with. This season of COVID that we've been in, and, and, uh, you know, I wrote something down and I wanted to share it with you this morning because I believe this is how we've all probably felt. You know, imagine a giant dump truck pouring an enormous pile of garbage all over our life. The mess takes you by complete surprise. Sometimes shock may be a more accurate description. Forces you into panic, puts you in a problem-solving mode, demands to be cleaned up, and worst of all, it stinks like nothing you've ever encountered before. But as you wipe the ketchup off your face, remove the rotten banana peel from your head, you compose yourself. You develop a plan of action. And after the initial shock and disgust, you begin to sort through the mess. You organize it in an effort to clean it up and move forward with your life. You even find a few treasures along the way because everyone knows that one man's trash is another man's treasure. 
And as soon as you feel like you're getting somewhere and you have made strides in the organizational process or progress, a second dump truck drops another load of garbage. All you can hear is that silly children's song, same song, second verse, a little bit louder, a little bit worse. Because what do we do, folks? If you're like me and I had the, you know, the, the, the dump truck drop garbage on me, I decided, well, I can get through this myself. I can get through this myself. There's a lot going around. There's a lot going around me, but I can get through this myself. I wasn't allowing my mind to be transformed in these moments. It was a totally different day, a totally new thing that came up for us in our lives. We'd never been through it before. But then what happened? Another dump truck dropped another load of garbage on me. And then until I finally said, Lord, I need your help. I need your help because you're going to get me through it. That's when my life was finally transformed in these moments because I, I like many others, was having a hard time. I dealt with some things in this, in this season of life that's been hard. Maybe question this and that and that and this. But until I allowed the Lord to transform me, nothing ever came of it. You know, just like Joshua and Caleb, we have to be worshipers. We have to be willing for God to transform. We have to be willing to believe in that power that he has given us and that he has what he's given us to possess. The things that he has brought us through. I mean, these people had seen so many miracles right in front of their eyes, but guess what? They still didn't believe. They still had a hard time because they had that slave mentality. They just believed, well, you know, I just, it's so much easier to do the other thing than it is to keep going forward, to keep moving forward. We have to be worshipers. We have to be willing to allow the Lord to do something within us. And we can sit here and say all we want. Oh, I do that every day. But do you? Do you really do that every single day? Do you allow the Lord? Because some things, you know, like darts get tossed at you, shot at you over and over again. And you can sit and say, well, I, you know, I, I, I'm going to let the Lord get me through this. But do we really? And if you do, that's awesome. That's great. But if, if you have a hard time and you are struggling with it, just allow the Lord to do it because he can he can do it he can do it perform the miracles you know touch sons and daughters bring them back heal sickness he can do it all but we just have to believe that we have to believe that we have to have that worshipers mindset and mentality not be about wandering wandering through our wreckage because we've got trash all over us no we have to be worshipers. We have to step out of it and we have to get through it.